0: If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hey there, welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. I'm Anna Dimmel, and I just want to welcome you here. I'm so happy you've joined us. This week, I'm talking all about... Ugh, That topic of jealousy, which is such a normal thing, such a normal thing. And I get real down and dirty personal in this episode. And I tell you all the crazy thoughts inside my head about all the things I wish I could have. So it's a great episode in that it is real. It is honest and there's some great tips and tools that I'm going to share with you about how to practice being at peace with what is practice contentment and how freeing that space is. So it's a good episode. I'm glad that you've joined in it with me today. I want to thank Alice Ranker. She is a Patreon of this show and she supports the show monthly and Alice, thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love what you do. I love following you on Instagram, by the way. I, I love your stuff. If you guys look her up on Instagram. She's got great inspirational stuff there. I would encourage you to do that. Thank you, Alice, for supporting this show. We love you bunches. And for any of you that like this work and feel like you would like to support this work, you can find out how to do that on my website, annadimmel.com and click on the button Patreon. You guys I love you, I love this community, and I love hanging out with you every week. So without any further ado, let's get into this conversation. Here we go. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is an episode touching a subject that none of us really like to talk about. And it's this thing called jealousy. You know, jealousy is one of those things that I would place bets on that every single one of you guys and myself and any other person that you come in contact with throughout the day deals with. And yet it's like this huge shame topic that no one ever really talks about no one wants to admit that they're jealous i i don't even think i was ready to admit to myself that i deal that i dealt with feeling envious of other people or relationships or things or situations or jobs i that was not something that i wanted to say out loud or even include in my vocabulary but the truth was is that and the truth still is this is something that I have always, always struggled with, and and I do feel a little like, oh, I'm putting myself out here on a ledge, admitting this out loud. But I think I'm kind of at this place in my life where I'm I'm ready to to deal with the stuff, much of like everything else we discuss on this podcast. I think God is taking me to a place of sincere, real, deep honesty. And, and, you know, it is true. The truth does set us free. And oftentimes it's the truth of being real with ourselves. You know, I think a lot of us live in a world of pretend a lot of the time where we don't really want to believe certain truths about ourselves. We don't want to believe certain truths about our community or our family, or our marriages, or any of this stuff. A lot of us spend a lot of our life hiding from reality because reality can be hard to face. But one of the goals in starting this whole podcast two years ago that I started was to crack open that shell of shame, of hiding, of fear, whatever label you want to put on it that keeps us quiet and let some of this stuff out because it is healing when we deal with what is, when we learn to sit with what is rather than what isn't. So this is a subject that I've been giving a lot of thought to lately as I've been more honest with myself. And it's something that I think a lot of us could benefit from talking about. So when I think of the word jealous, the first thing that comes to mind would be, I don't know, like a high school, middle school feeling, right? Where you're jealous of somebody's outfit or you're jealous of somebody's boyfriend or you're jealous of somebody's um, ease in a class. Maybe they're just super smart and A's come easily, right? Like that is what I think of when I think of jealousy. But I think a better word for me, as I grow older, um, that doesn't feel quite as elementary is discontentment. And and then if we're going to take it further, maybe envy. I think those are a little bit more mature, a little bit more adult ways to frame this conversation. And so I want to start opening up this conversation using that kind of language. I remember Early on, early on in my first marriage, feeling so discontent with my marriage, with our relationship, I remember sitting in. Um, I think back then there was this whole push to do um, these young marriage classes at church, and we, of course, signed up because that's what the good people do, right? And we go to this class, and I'm and I'm hearing these other couples talk so openly with each other and they're so seemingly connected and seemingly emotionally very aware of of their partner. I didn't feel like I had that. And so I remember feeling so discontented with my partner and our communication and our relationship that I got really uncomfortable. I would watch those couples talk to each other. I would watch their interactions and this part of my heart was just so sad that I didn't have what they had. And I, and I wanted that. I wanted what they had so badly. And so I remember that, um, that year going above and beyond trying to create that, you know, you see something that you, you, are attracted to that you want. And for me, it was that kind of communication and connection with a spouse. And so I made it my mission to try to make that happen. And I, I mean, I did work y'all. I put a lot of work into special date nights. I put a lot of work into special um, like journals that I thought we could do together and books and all the things. And, and it didn't work right. It didn't work because that wasn't our dynamic. And That was not our situation, and as much as that truth was becoming really apparent that year, denial and forcing myself to ignore um, reality became where I stayed. As I said at the top of the show, reality can be something that all of us want to hide from. The truth of what is is something that a lot of us prefer to leave alone, untouched unlooked at. That was true of that marriage. So moving on a couple years later, I start noticing all of my friends are having babies. And any of you guys who have been married or really lived any sort of life, you know these phases, right? When all of your friends grow up, we all grow up together, right? Your friends then get married. Then your friends start having kids. Then your friends get the job promotions. We know the natural chain that everyone expects us to do. And I started watching my friends start having babies. And as happy as I was for all of them, I wasn't getting pregnant. And there was this huge weight of, yeah, discontentment. I I feel like that's not quite a strong enough word. It was more like a gut punch, more like I don't remember ever wanting something so badly and feeling like, the entire universe was going to keep me from having it. Those two years um, that I watched friends have babies and I continued to come home to an empty house um, with just my husband and I. And of course, we've already talked about how I was discontent in that relationship anyway. And it just, I, I felt like everybody had the ability to easily get this thing that I couldn't have. When you feel like you're lacking something, it's amazing how you start noticing that something everywhere, right? Like as soon as you get your, your eyes set on a certain car, you start noticing that car everywhere. And then all of a sudden it feels like everybody has that car but me. And the same was true with a family. I felt like everybody had a better relationship with their husband than I had and that everybody had the ability to just pop out babies and my body wasn't doing that. I grew so discontent that anxiety was very high, Um, the pressure to have a baby, the pressure to fix what I perceived was wrong in our relationship. But the truth was, was that both of those things were unfixable. And when you start to notice that things are unfixable, one of two things happens. You a more mature response than what I did at the time is you start to move into the space that we're talking about here of acceptance and learning to be content and learning to be at peace with your story not being like somebody else's. Acceptance of what is was not something that I had the ability to even think about back then. All I knew was that Everybody had something and some things that I wanted. And why couldn't I have them? You go into this place of self-loathing where what's wrong with me? Why don't I have the great marriage? Why don't I have the baby? Why don't I have this or that? And, and I went through some of that. I went through some self-loathing of what's wrong with me. Um, what did I do? To mess this up so badly? What did I do to, to miss the mark? And then you go into this, like, um, and this could be some of my personality, although I see this in other people too. For me, this overcompensating fix-it thing that is a sickness that will run you ragged, and it did run me ragged during those years, but I was like, well, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make everyone think we have a great marriage. I'm going to make everyone think that I'm able to have a child. I'm going to make everything fit the box that I'm trying so hard to paint really pretty and live inside of. And so this overcompensation thing, yeah, people accomplish a lot with that adrenaline, but it it's so unfulfilling because it's it's forced it's not natural and and I forced a lot during those years soon after uh, we adopted my oldest daughter and of course I'm going to tell you that was just a gift from God above and that I can't imagine my life without her now was I trying to prove something maybe but I think that God and his wonderful grace and mercy opened that door for me right when I needed it. My heart was so sad. I was so sad. And for a lot of reasons that I don't even think I could have explained to you back then. But that adoption happened in a blink. I mean, it was like the easiest most natural progression of events. So as ironic as the whole setup to the adoption was, that adoption was so unforced. It was so easy. Like we, even if we'd wanted to change our minds, we couldn't, it was just too easy. It was so God obvious. This was the path for us. And, and I still believe that to this day, she was meant to be a part of our family and we were meant to be a part of hers. That gift softened me and that gift gave me a bit of reprieve because I felt like I had something that was working. I felt like I had a piece that fit, but it certainly didn't change this pattern of me looking outside of myself and seeing where I wasn't measuring up and seeing where I was still very discontent with a lot of things. As she grew up, the discontentment changed from not having a baby to then not being the best parent or not having the best of whatever to give to her or to have at home or, you know, you you start in this pattern, I think, as a young person, and it just keeps going. And it And you get caught up in this rhythm that just doesn't seem to stop. As I now... Of course, those were years ago. I mean, my goodness, she's sixteen now, so that tells you some time frame there. I look now, and and I and I look at myself, and I now am so aware of myself that I can tell when that discontentment is creeping in. The weird thing is now is that I almost don't know what to do with it all the time because it can be the most simple of things, but I. I can be out. This happened to me recently. I can be out at a restaurant and I notice a family with children and everybody seems happy. And immediately I feel so discontented with the fact that I'm divorced. And and I feel so envious that they're not divorced and their kids don't have divorced parents. And they have a family unit that's still intact. And I start to kind of drum up this fantasy of what their life must be, which of course I'm inserting everything I would have wished I had had. And I immediately sink into that self-loathing thing again. And I start doing the whole like, what's wrong with me, inner dialogue. And, And then I'm just grumpy the rest of the day because what's wrong with me that I didn't get that what, what's so against me in the universe that that's not my story. Hey there. I want to take a quick break to talk to you about one of my favorite things. After dealing with stress and anxiety, I made a lot of changes to my life. One of them was the use of essential oils. I used to be so skeptical of essential oils. I honestly didn't think they did anything more than just smell good. But people have been using essential oils for thousands of years, for dietary purposes to spiritual and physical use. Bringing this ancient tradition to modern users can truly be life-changing, which has been the case for me. From powerful oils like frankincense that I use during meditation, to blends like Peace and Calming that I diffuse when I feel anxious, or one of my favorites, the topical oil Copava, which is found in the cannabis plant. I use Young Living Oils because they have been a forerunner in harnessing the power of essential oils and maintaining superior potency and quality. To check out all of my favorite Young Living Oils, go to my website, annadimmel.com, and click on the link Shop Wellness at the top of the page. Again, that's annadimmel.com, and click on the link Shop Wellness at the top of the page. Now let's get back to the show. Discontentment can just... Quietly be one of the most lethal things that goes on inside of our hearts and inside of our heads. And I think that we all are so full of pride, if I'm if I'll be honest with you, that nobody wants to admit that we wish we had what someone else has. We want to wear this I'm happy for you face. When inside we know we're not happy for them, we're we're mad that they got something we didn't. <laughs> And and this isn't just in the family context. I use that as an example, but I could tell you the same thing about my career, about my work, about how I see sometimes other people getting book deals just at the blink of an eye, and I had to just claw and claw and claw to get my manuscript anywhere. And I just, discontentment falls into the areas that we want the most. You see, all of us come prepackaged, I think, with needs and desires and longings and wants. And life tends to tell us how those needs should be met. It tries to tell us what those desires should look like. And we start down this path of using other people around us to be the model for what we should be what society would deem acceptable, what our friends would approve of, what would make our parents proud. These are not bad things. You know, we we come from a line of human beings who have only survived by the sheer fact that they were in a community. We now have the ability to stay very isolated and survive and eat and work and provide for ourselves. But that hasn't been the case most of the time that civilization has been going. Most of the history of the world includes people living in tribes, people living in groups, people hunting and gathering and providing for one another. And if you were out of the tribe, you were dead. I mean, you were exiled, and that meant death because being apart from the group meant you would not survive. That is packed in our history. Your genetic ancestry is built on people who survived that way. My genetic ancestry is built the same way. So for us to magically think that our minds and our bodies have evolved past that idea is just insanity because we are a product of where we've come from. So there's a real genuine DNA-packed need to be approvable to our parents, to be acceptable to our peers, to be liked and approved of inside of a community. That is a, that is a need. It's a survivalistic need. You had it when you were a baby with your family, you had it as a child, and you will continue to have it as, as you continue on throughout your life. So this need is real. And this need tends to get a little bit off when we start packaging that need the way everyone around us has packaged it. So much of my life has been spent trying to make people happy, trying to fit, trying to be approvable, trying to make people impressed or proud, and yet so much of it has been so unfulfilling. I I didn't know that I could be, like I could have permission to be content with what is. Would I still have, looking backwards, would I still have adopted my daughter if I was content with what is? Absolutely. It's just leading up to that adoption would have been so much less painful. If I would have had the insight, the wisdom, the knowledge to look at my situation and say, my marriage struggles with communication. I've tried to fix it. It doesn't seem like that's going to be fixed. I'm not getting pregnant. My body doesn't seem to want to do that right now. I can be mad about it. I can be jealous of other people. Or I can choose to be at peace with this, to make my peace with this and find a different path for me. Ironically, I still would have ended up divorced. I still would have ended up As an adoptive mom, I don't think either of those two outcomes would have been any different or looked anything different than what they were. But my peace, my internal peace could have been saved had I known that that was an option. You see, I didn't know that we had permission to be at peace when we were not the norm. I didn't know that as a society, we could choose to be at peace with ourselves when we don't look like the person in line next to us at Starbucks. I didn't know that was an option. I've gone my whole life believing that everyone around me is modeling back to me what is acceptable. And if I want to stay in the tribe and be accepted, I have to look like them. I have to behave like them. I have to have the marriage like them, the family like them. My brain still slips into this. And yet, as of recently, as I've been venturing down this journey of really disconnecting from the rat race and going inward and practicing meditation, practicing being at peace and being content and being grateful and really shifting my inner dialogue, I'm now so aware when that dialogue gets off want to tell you a funny story. So it's not actually, it's not all that funny. It's um, more like comforting in the fact that misery loves company, but I think you will appreciate this. It's what led me actually to want to record this podcast. So one of my dear friends who I absolutely adore, we've known each other for years. She has, if I were to have written down on paper when I was like 12, what I would have wanted my life to look like, she has it. You look at the husband that she's been with high school sweethearts, right? They've got beautiful children. They've grown up and they're now, you know, in high school and they're doing the cheerleading and the football thing and they're proud parents and they live in a beautiful home and he has a good job and she has her college degree and they, they just have the package of what I thought was what I would have wanted. And so, over the years, as I've gone through the journey that I have shared with all of you guys about, that has been very non traditional and full of dead ends, is what it's felt like. But I've taken a very different path than she has taken. And I, I will admit to you, and not only that, she is like drop dead gorgeous, like gorgeous, and still looks like she did in high school. It's just sickening. I, I just can't. But to be honest with you, For the last probably 10 years, I've looked at her and her life and just been like, dang, dang. And there's, and as happy as I am for her because I love her, I don't wish her ill, but there's a big part of me that's like, why did you get that? And there's part of me of just wanting what she has. That's something that I would never have said out loud until now, and now I'm at a place where when I, like I said, when that dialogue gets off, I catch it, and I start noticing it. I'm like, oh, there we go. Gosh, Anna, what is that? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It was a dream that I had that someone else seemingly has, and I didn't, and I'm sad, and I'm mad, and I want to throw a tantrum like a toddler, (laughs) Like, that's that's what it feels like. But I tell you what, I had written up in my head how much her story was the norm and how much her story was what society says we all are supposed to be, specifically me. And learning recently that things are not what they appear inside their home and inside their family and learning I learned recently just family dynamics that are not what I thought they were and issues within the family that I would have had no idea about opened my eyes to this reality check of, oh, they're not content either. Here I am on the outside having chalked them up as the perfect arrival point that I would never get to or that I somehow missed along the way and yet even they're not happy even they feel like they have totally missed it and screwed the whole thing up and they're self-loathing and what did we do and how did we miss it and they look at other people the same way I look at them and this thought occurred to me that you know, there really is no normal. There really is no perfect arrival. There really is no, they have something I don't have. Because the truth is, nobody has something you don't have. When you think that somebody has something that you wish you would have had, whether it be a relationship or a job or a big triumphant success, the reality is, their life is not what it seems to you because you are looking at their life through a lens of your own discontentment. It's like you put on these filtered glasses that are going to see what you want to see to validate the fact that somehow you screwed up. And it all comes back to you. This is all like self stuff. It all comes back to you being mad at yourself for some perceived failure you think you did or how you got screwed over or whatever, and it really has nothing to do with them they're just like a pawn in your like self-loathing game and i started to see that in a recent interaction with my friend where i was like whoa i painted a facade of this family to validate some sick self-loathing anger thing i have inside myself of some goal that i set for myself that i didn't make or something. And I've used her and her beautiful family as like gasoline to throw onto this fire inside of me of, of discontentment when in reality, they don't have anything. I don't have, I mean, like when I learned the realities of things that have gone on, I was like, huh, you know, we're more in the same boat than I thought. (laughs) you've got the same frustrations I have. You have the same um, disappointments that I've had. You have the same longings that I've had. You're just trying to make it too. Sure, her package is different. She still is married. They all live under one roof, but the inner longings, the inner frustrating tension is so the same. And this is where it all boils down to This is a universal issue of humanity. This is a human thing. This is not a you thing where you just struggle with being envious and there's something wrong with you or you struggle with jealousy. No, this is a human condition. We all feel like somewhere along the way we didn't measure up. That is universal to mankind, especially when you come from a background of of strong religious um boundaries or expectations or you know this is the bar and you're damned to hell if you don't make it or god will be mad at you if you don't make it we all have this thing inside of us that still plays that that repeating message of i'm still not enough and so we are subconsciously looking for validation of that belief everywhere we are for me My inner dialogue is, I got divorced twice, major (laughs) no-no. I was not raised that that was what good girls do. I was not raised that God would be happy about that. And although I have worked through that in so many ways, it's like a tape on repeat sometimes in my subconscious that I'm not aware of until it's triggered when I see something on the outside of me that validates that belief that validates that, yes, Anna, you didn't arrive. And I know that because that family did and you didn't. That is when it's triggered in me. So there is a subconscious bar that you have set for yourself. And anytime you feel that discontentment, that envy, it's like waving a flag and saying, hey, this is is something you're believing about yourself. That's probably not true. Are you believing that, and I'm talking to myself, am I believing that divorce was wrong for me? No, I don't believe that. Do I believe that I would have been healthier and my children would have been healthier had we all stayed married? No, I don't believe that. Well, somewhere inside of me, I guess a part of me wonders because I I tend to go down this path of I was wrong. I hurt my kids. I hurt myself by divorcing. All of that is not true. But when I see a family sitting together around a meal, I think that. Why do I think that? Because my subconscious is still in this track mode of saying, this is the status quo that was set for you and you missed it. So my question for you today is, what is the status quo that you think you missed? Mine's obvious. I've like laid that out, but we all have one. What is that status quo? Is it you didn't get the education that your peers got or that you thought your family said you should have gotten? Is it the job? You're not in the right job field, you don't think, or like that's the status quo that was expected and you missed it. Is it a marriage? Is it your parenting? Like, are your kids not what you think they should have been? I could go on and on. Is it your house? Is it your car? Is it the vacations you take every year? Is it not measuring up? Like, this is such a real, real dialogue that goes in in so many of our heads. Is it your body? Is it your hair? Is it your complexion? Is it what size you are in your clothes, in your closet? Is it that you don't have better clothes in your closet? You know, this this touches so many levels of us, of our inner fear of being inadequate, of our inner fear of the tribe rejecting us, the community pushing us out. And that survivalistic instinct that goes so far back is screaming, keep me in, don't reject me. And so out of survival, our insides are looking for answers to where we need to build up more barriers to make sure we're not rejected. And a lot of that comes from whatever fear you have of whatever status quo that you think you didn't make. I think the whole point of a lot of this journey that we're on here on earth, here in this life, is to find our unique path, to find the path that was carved out and designed for us. And the oddest thing about that is that that goes against the tribalistic idea, which is so embedded in our nature. And so being brave enough to accept what is and to be at peace with what is opens the door for your path wide open it opens the door for you to step where your feet are meant to walk for you to be present and strong where you are meant to be present and strong dr seuss says in one of his books there's nobody more youer than you and and i love that that phrase has been in my head a lot recently that there is nobody youer than you Nobody else has the path that you have. And whatever you're comparing yourself to is just a mirage. Like it's fake. It's like a smoke screen. It's not real. You have your path to walk. You have your journey. There is no right or wrong in what that path is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like you. That's the only right answer. And whatever you shows up as, whatever you and your divine creator come up with, guess what? That's it. That's the journey. That's you. So I'm going to challenge you that when you start feeling those waves that we all feel, don't even tell me that you don't feel them because I do not believe you. Those waves that we all feel of Wanting what someone else has of that discontentment and that inner battle of, I know I should be happy for them, but I'm really not happy. I'm totally wanting what they have. Why didn't I get that? It sounds so like mean and evil coming out of my mouth, but like those those are real thoughts that we genuinely as human beings have. The next time you have one of those thoughts, I'm going to challenge you to go inward and find whatever lie That scenario is trying to validate. For me, the lie is that I shouldn't have been divorced and that I ruined my life and my kid's life by filing for divorce. That's the lie. So I have to, when I see things that trigger that and make me feel less than or make me feel like there's something wrong with me, self-loathing, all the things, it's now raising a flag to my attention that says, okay, time to discredit the lie. What is the lie? that my subconscious is looking for validation for. Part of the way to quiet that lie is to choose to be content with what is. Acceptance of what is is the most powerful way to shut down that rabbit hole inside of your brain. My inner dialogue On a good day, not saying every day is good, but on a good day would look something like this. Like I see the family, they're having dinner, they're looking happy. Of course, the mom is like super pretty and the dad is super cute and the kids are like eating their food good. And I'm sitting there sinking in my chair because that's not my story. And the thought comes into my head very quickly. I wish I had that. That's how it starts for me. I wish I had that. And then it goes into sadness. And then it goes into feeling sorry for myself. And then it goes into the self-loathing. What is wrong with me? Why did I screw up my life? Why did I, right? That is when I start catching myself now on a good day. I catch myself there and I go, okay. Did you really ruin your life? Did you really screw up your kid's life? No, no. Is your life healthier now? Yes. So does your story look like theirs? No. I'm going to practice being at peace with what is, with my story being different, but my story being just as good. And I sit there with myself and I practice acceptance and I practice being at peace in my own skin, with my own story, with my own journey. And you know what? It actually works. I'm not saying I do this all the time, but on my strong days, it works really well. And at the end of the day, if you still struggle and that's not enough, take a note from my friend, where I realized that what I was envying wasn't even real. It was all a mirage. It was something that my brain painted into a picture that wasn't real. I promise you, whatever person you are looking at saying they have the perfect life, I promise it is not the perfect life. I promise you, it is far from the perfect life. They have the same struggles as you and me, the same struggles as both of us. So, in closing, Practice being at peace with what is. in fact, um, I on my meditation link on the wellness tab in on my um, website, there's a link to a meditation that I follow and it's so good and it's the one on gratitude and I cannot say enough how much I love that meditation. It's so good. And so if you're wanting something to model after inside your headspace of how to meditate on being grateful and on gratitude, that's a great place to start, which is why I have the link on the website. So all of that being said, guys, I love you. And I love the honest conversations that we can have here. You guys are such a gift to me because you give me freedom to just let it out, let the crazy out of my head and into the microphone. And then I hear voices back that say, oh my gosh, me too. And it is the most, gosh, it's such a safe, warm feeling. So thank you for coming back every week and hanging out with me and listening to the crazy and saying that you're right in it with me too. I love that. I love you. Go in peace. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.